So today's message is going to kind of touch upon when Amy and I shared about uh, husbands and wives. But we're going to be in chapter 2, verses 11 through uh, 2, 11 through 12. Actually, it goes to the end of the chapter. And so we're going to go through chapter 2 through verse 25. So I've entitled the message this morning, In His Steps. How many have read that book? It's entitled, In His Steps. Anybody read that? It is a classic, and if you want a book to challenge you, it's a good book. It's based upon the passage we're going to read here that talks about to follow in his steps, and so that's what it kind of hinges upon. It's a really challenging book as far as if we, the church, really took Scripture at as it is and really lived it out in our lives. And I know we all try to do that, but um, it's a challenging book. Just some of the repercussions that happened because of that. They grew in their walk with God, but it also meant that there were some sacrifices, which I think is very true to the context of what Peter is writing about here, okay? So, uh, just to recap, we've talked, we talked about the first part of chapter 1 there, gifts, money, can't buy, the pursuit of holiness. And so in chapter 2, um, he's going to drill down deeper uh, last week we talked about us, he is the living stone, that cornerstone, that chief cornerstone, and we are all living stones that make up the temple of God that he dwells within and that he's given us roles and responsibilities to declare him, to praise him, and to do his, do his work. So um, then we get to verse 11, so that's where we're going to jump in today. And Peter's audience were, were believers that had been scattered. They've been scattered due to persecution, so they're in what would be modern-day Turkey. Okay, so if you were to look at your phone, your smartphone, and bring up Turkey, that's the area we're talking about, all right? And Paul would evangelize a lot in that area, but these believers were there. They probably were Christians that were from maybe Jerusalem or other areas, but they'd been scattered because of Roman persecution due to their faith in Christ, all right? Um, And so you would think that Peter would be kind of just lovey-dovey with these guys, but he's really, he's, he kind of is saying, man, he's calling them to holiness. He's calling them to really have this great attitude even in the midst of their suffering. And so you're even going to see that in a little bit of the message today. And I think it's a good, it's a good message, uh, good passage for us to really drill down in and look at today. So let's begin with a word of prayer and jump in today. Father, we thank you for your word. It is quick and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to speak to us, Lord, uh, just a life-giving message that is just for us today, right now, Lord God. And I know Peter intended this for his audience, but um, the words on those pages, Lord God, still speak to us today, Lord God. There's principles that are still living and active today that apply to us. And so, Lord God, we just pray for an open heart, and as you speak to us, we give you the thanks and the praise in your name we ask. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. I need you guys talking to me today. Is that all right? Okay. All right. Again, verses 11 through 12, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, so there again that idea that they're kind of displaced, to abstain from sinful desires, from passions, which, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among pagans, people that don't know Christ, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may find nothing wrong. They may see your good deeds. And glorify God on the day He visits us. Amen. So, first of all, Peter urges them, right? So it's a strong, it's a strong appeal to do what he is asking them to do. 
And his strong appeal is what? To abstain from the strong desires or passions of this world. Now think about it. These people have been uprooted. They've went to these different contexts where they're at, okay? And now they're trying to live out their faith, okay? And that area of the world was not known for its religious background, morality. In fact, many of the places that Paul would go in that same area, Ephesus, Corinth, were hubs, hubs, commerce hubs. So with that also came a lot of sin, a lot of idolatry. You name it, it was there. We think about some of the stuff that is happening today. It was nothing new. It was happening back then as well, okay? And so they're being immersed in this culture, and Peter says, hey, don't be sucked in to the culture around you. Instead, abstain from that. So what are some of the sins? Maybe sexual sin, right? Um, That was very prevalent then as it is now. Pride. We don't like to talk about pride. None of us would ever have pride, right? Um, Greed and materialism. I think that one hits us hard in America right now. Um, Drugs and alcohol. They were back then. They had things back then just as we do now. Um, Speech. Cussing, crude jokes, slander, bullying. You don't have that at your workplace, do you? Right? I've known people that have quit their job because it just was too much for them. Worshiping false gods or beliefs. Um, that was very prevalent in those cultures, and I feel like there are still false gods today. John, uh, the apostle, divides sin up into three categories. He calls it the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, okay, the things that are flesh, are carnal flesh wants and desires, and then the lust of the eyes. All right, so I'm going to read that passage in 1 John 2, 15 through 17 out of the New Living Translation. It says, Do not love the world, nor the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Wow. See, do you see the issue there? If we love the world and the passions and the desires of this world, it sucks, it dries out, it diminishes our love for the Father. For the world offers only a craving of physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they're from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything else that people crave. But anyone who does what the Father pleases the Father will live forever. These inner passions and strong desires wage war against our soul. They do. Now, I wish... We, you know, we could be playing a board game and we draw the card that says you're exempt. Okay, skip me, right? But that isn't. We we're all have that sinful nature. That is part of humanity. Adam and Eve had it. Paul had it. Peter had it. We all have it. It's at work in our lives. And Peter calls us to abstain from those things. Paul puts it in, in Romans. He puts it a different way. And I've been going back and forth between Peter and Paul a lot. So if I get mixed up in the midst of that, you can just kindly correct me, okay? So far, I think I've done okay. But, um, but Romans 12, 2. I, I love Romans 12, 1 and 2. But this is in the New Living Translation. It says, do not copy the behavior or the customs of the world. So the NIV says, NIV says do not be pressed into its mold. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It all happens up here a lot, isn't it? That's where God transforms us. Then you will be able to learn to know God's will for you, which is good, His pleasing, and perfect. 
His perfect will. So the first principle that I see, and you can write that in your program, is live a God-honoring life. Live a God-honoring life. And Peter was pressing this, that even in the midst of that they are suffering, they're scattered, he's still calling them to a holy life and to abstain from the pleasures around them and the sin around them. Why? Because their testimony, their lifestyle was impacting the world around them. And they maybe weren't able to go out onto the street corner and proclaim Christ. They maybe did not have the freedoms like you and I have in America, at least right now. But they could live a life that honored God so that when others looked at their life, they'd say, you know what? Man, I hate those Christians, but you know what? They've been kind to me. Even when I've been rude to them, they've lived a, they're moral. They live a good life. See, see where he's going? Peter's going? He said, you know what? You may have suffering that has come from your walk in Christ, but let it not be because you are doing wrong. Let it not be because you are rebellious. Let it not be because you are living in the ways of the world. Let it be because you are following Christ if the suffering comes your way. Are you following that? People are walking, watching your life. Even people that maybe, you know what, at work or at school or whatever the case may be, you'll have people that pick on you. I've had, there's been, I can give you a list of some people that were not so nice to me, all right? But you know what, even though some of those people are watching your life, they want to know how you react. They want to know, how, how are they going to react when I'm mean to them and I'm rude to them? How are they going to handle that? Live your life in a God-honoring way. Amen? Number two, 13 through 20. This is a little bit longer. Submit yourselves, therefore, to the Lord's sake, to every human authority. Should we just cut that out? (laughs) That's a hard one, isn't it? It gets worse. Whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, in our case it would be a president, maybe, or governor, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people. But do not use your freedom to cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves, or you can put in their servants. Show the proper respect to everyone. Love family, the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. We're going to come back to that. Verse 18, slaves or servants. And I say you can put in servants there. I don't know what your translation has. The NIV has slaves. It really was a reference to household servants, okay? And so we read that. Maybe we're going to look at the context of what slavery is in our culture, okay? Um, It seems like this was more to household servants. Now think about, these people have been scattered. They've been displaced. Probably they maybe left home their, their belongings. Maybe they lost their house. And now they're in a new country, a new land. And so one of the ways that they could be employed is to be a servant in a household. And especially if they didn't have a roof, a place to stay, they could be part of a wealthy household and be a servant there, provide for them, okay? Just a little bit of context there. Now, some of those masters could be easy to work for, maybe others not so much. So it says, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? 
But if you suffer for doing good you, and endure it, you are commendable before God. So in other words, if you suffer because you've done wrong, Peter's not having, he's not feeling sympathy for you. All right? And he says, you know what? If you suffer for doing right, you're sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And that's commendable. It's kind of like, Peter, what are you talking about? Right? But we have to, even in our culture in America, we don't know what the future holds, right? It, in some cultures right now, as we speak, in, in Africa, especially northern Africa, there are people that they're having church and all of a sudden people walk in with automatic weapons and they're scattered, some lose their life. And it's not being reported in the media, but it is happening, folks. It is happening. They are brothers and sisters with us, and it's happening in our world today. And I don't hear those Christians complaining. They are still living out their faith. And in China, China has, has concentration camps, and a lot of them are dedicated to those that are a part of a Muslim sect, okay? And they're, they're trying to rid that country of any religion, and that includes Christianity. And there's a strong Christian presence in China, but that, again, is starting to be squashed, folks. Um, we're fortunate to live in the country we do. But we have to live our godly testimony in the good times and the difficult times. Now, if I can bring this a little bit home, in the Capitol Hill riot that took place, um, not too far away from now, I think what caused a lot of concerns, even from the Assemblies of God, that they sent out a national letter, is that I think there maybe was some Christian symbols with those that went up to Capitol Hill. All right? I don't know if they were Christian or not. All right? It could have been somebody that was totally anti-Christian that had a Christian flag. I don't know. We know that a lot of them were, were um, what do you call militia groups, right? That that's coming out, that a lot of people that marched there were part of militia groups. What I am saying is Scripture calls us to submit to authority. That doesn't mean that we can't appeal things and we can't do things the right way. But God has called us to a higher standard. And even if one Christian was there and they had a Christian flag or, or a cross or something like that, you know what the world says? They look at that and they say, yeah, those Christians, see, they're, they're causing issues, they're causing trouble. And it comes back on us in a negative way. Just like Peter's talking about. And so Scripture has called us to respect authority, even when we disagree with it. Now, I know some of you, I, I, can, I can see where some of you are going. What about if they ask me to do something to, diso- to disobey God? To dishonor God, to renounce my faith. What if they ask me to do that? Well, we have some examples in Scripture. Did you know that? Pastor Andy talked about these on Wednesday night. He called them, I can't remember what he called them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I call it Rack, Shack, and Benny. All right, yes, from VeggieTales, right? But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then you have Daniel. All of them were asked to do something that went against their faith. But in each of those situations, did they, were they defiant? Were they rebellious? No, they said, hey, king, we love you. We want to do everything, but we can't bow down and worship you because there's only one God that we serve. And Nebuchadnezzar just, oh, he just burned, you know. Crank up that furnace seven times hotter. It killed all the people that tried to put him in there. But you know what? God protected them. But see, they, they were obedient to the authority. In fact, they would be elevated in leadership because they did things in the right way, even though they had to suffer for a time. Daniel, 
You know, they passed a law and decree so that they could trap him. And so he still prays to his God. And, and so they trap him in that because they, they passed a secret decree that if you bow to anybody or pray to anybody during this time, you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. So the king didn't want to do it. When he finds, finds out that, that Daniel's affected by this, he's devastated. He doesn't want Daniel to be put in the lion's den. Daniel's put in there, but God protects him, right? And then the people that made the law are thrown in there, and they're just they're devoured before they even hit the ground, right? All right, R-rated movie right there, right? right. Um, but what I'm getting to is you see that as a pattern throughout Scripture. They were respectful of authority, all right? And, but there may be come a time that, hey, they say, you can't do this, you can't do that. You, you have to denounce your religion. In those cases, we have to serve God above man. Is that hard for us? Is that hard? I think there are times that we wrestle with that, folks. And especially if government begins to make decisions that whether dishonor life or they go against religious convictions, those things are hard, folks. Those are times that we need to be in prayer. We need to seek the face of God. And more than ever, we need to be the church, folks. Um, and I think the message of Peter, if we can live our lives that honor God, people are watching. And it has to be our testimony. Amen? All right. Number three. 25, verses 21 through 25. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And that book is based on that in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. So this is Isaiah, what I read earlier during communion. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to our sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. So we take that to mean our relationship with God was healed, but we also see that as just that God has extended His healing towards us physically. For you were like sheep that have gone astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. So Peter has a challenge. He's challenged us to live a holy life like Christ. Now he calls us to be obedient to human authority and even to be willing to follow in the steps of Christ that may even mean suffering. Wow. Is that hard? I think so. I think so. But you know what? There's Christians all around the world that have obeyed the words of Peter and have taken his instruction. And there again, I don't know what our future holds. I have no what. I don't. But I even know that even in the face of suffering, following Christ, Christ calls us to follow in His steps. And so the third principle is follow in His steps. Isn't that profound there? All right. To follow in the steps of Jesus many times will mean suffering, but to varying degrees. It may mean that, you know, the in crowd isn't going to want to be with you as much. All right? Okay? We had three sons that went through public school, and it impacted them all differently. Okay? Sometimes it means, yeah, you're not going to be part of the in crowd as much as you would like to be. Um, it may mean that people aren't going to include you in stuff, right? Or maybe they're going to talk around your back saying, oh, yeah, you know what, that person, they're always, you know, they're a goody two-shoes. They're a Christ follower, right? So be it. 
For the disciples, it meant that they followed Christ. Jesus didn't command them, and he says, follow me, and they followed him. They left their nets, they left their boats, and they followed Jesus, right? Matthew left his tax collecting to follow Jesus. You know, Matthew wasn't this pristine, godly person that was raised in church, folks. He was a tax collector. He was known for cheating people, all right? That's why nobody liked him. And yet he, he encountered Jesus, and Jesus said, follow me, and he left all that behind to follow Christ. They depended upon God for their day-to-day provision, and beyond that, they all would die a martyr's death, except for John. They would try to kill John, and it just didn't work. Tried to poison him. He would die on the island of Patmos. That's where he would write the book of Revelation. Uh, there's an interesting book. It's called The In the Name of Jesus. I don't know. Has anybody read it? It's by Henry Henry Nguyen. Um, he was in the Catholic Church, and he was teaching at a prestigious college. He was tenured. He, he had it made, folks. But in the process of that, he just felt like he was losing his connection with God. He felt dead. Spiritually, he felt dead. He just he felt like it just wasn't happening. And so he sighed God, and he just heard clearly from God to step aside. So he gave away his tenured position. They had a lot of prestige with it, a lot of accolades. He stepped away from that. He actually went to work at a, uh, a facility, a place where they took play, care of the mentally disabled. And he started being kind of like their chaplain, ministering to them, and kind of along the lines of the least of these. And as he did, he found his faith again. He became alive in his soul. He said that he began to see Jesus in the least of these, and it totally changed and transformed his life. Now, it probably wasn't the life that he would have chosen humanly. But in doing so and following God's will, he found, he found a Christianity. He found a faith that was so much deeper. And he found Christ in the least of these. I don't know what that means for all of us. All I know is that we have to keep our eyes on Christ and follow him. And sometimes it may not be going into the positions that we would like to. Maybe it means taking another thing because we're going to be in the will of God. You following me? And I know that may mean something different for me, being in full-time ministry, but there's not as much difference as you may think, folks. Christ has called us to follow Him wherever that may be and to be with Him. I'm going to have the musicians come. Throughout church history, there have been times of prosperity and hardship, peace and war, blessings and suffering. The believers that Peter is writing to were experiencing suffering due to their faith in Christ. And as we partook of communion and reflect upon what Jesus had did for us on the cross of Calvary, his suffering, his pain, Peter also says, you know what? If you suffer for Christ, don't think it's uncommon. Don't think that you're being mistreated. Don't think, you know, you're being picked on. The disciples understood that. I remember, if you read the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost happens and great things are taking place. Somebody is miraculously healed. A guy that's been crippled since birth, Acts chapter 3. He gets healed. He gets up, leaps, jumps, praises God. All these exciting things, right? But he was healed in the name of Jesus. And so they brought them before the Sanhedrin, questioned them. Told them to speak no more in the name of Jesus. So there again, hey, 
They were respectful. But they said, you know what? Don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. They said, hey, we want to be respectful, but we can't obey that. We can't deny the one that saved us, that redeemed us. Before they let him go, they flogged them. You know, whipped them. Peter, James, and John went back to the rest of the disciples. They cried, put their head between their knees, said, what have we done? Is that what they did? No, they praised God because they had been found worthy to suffer like Christ. And I I think that's a foreign suffering in our culture, in American culture. Some cultures embrace suffering more. We have a difficult time with suffering in our culture because we really see it as a curse. We see it as that God has something against me. If you suffer for doing wrong, that's your fault, folks. (laughs) But if you suffer for following Christ, you're following in His steps. And that is something to take pride in. That is something to say, yeah, I suffered for Him. Amen? I'm going to offer up a prayer of salvation for all of us just to, to join. I don't know if you've invited Christ into your heart and life. I know a lot of you have, but maybe maybe you haven't. Maybe somebody online hasn't accepted Christ as their Lord and their Savior, and today is your day. You want to pray. You want to have the hope of salvation. You want to know that your sins are forgiven. You want to identify with Christ, the one that died on the cross for you. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation, and then I'm going to just pray for all of us that we can follow in his steps. And sometimes, most likely, what I see in the next few years is that we're not going to be dragged off into prisons or, or whatever, as may be the case in some countries. But I think the harder thing is just living each day for him, that there are times that we have a choice and a decision to live for him, and we sometimes don't take that step to live for him because we're afraid of what other people think. We're afraid of what it's going to do to our reputation, right? That is suffering on a slow level. That's not suffering in physical pain or anything like that. But sometimes even in our culture, we, 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 we struggle with that. And some of us, have, we have to die to ourselves so that Christ can be born in us. Amen? Let's pray together. Let's pray that prayer of salvation. I'm just going to ask you to pray with me and those that maybe are praying it for the first time, saying, Dear God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and into my life. May I walk in your steps to live for you, to suffer for you, and be the person you've called me to be. In your name we pray, amen. Father, have your hand upon your people, Lord. This is a, this is a challenging message. It just challenges me to the core, Lord God. And Lord, I, I pray for the believers around our world that are live, this is the reality for them. They are facing persecution and suffering where their life is in danger, Lord. Lord God, I just I just call all of us just to agree together. Lord, we just pray for the persecuted church this morning, Lord. Lord God, we, we sometimes go about our life and we don't realize that there are brothers and sisters in Christ in our world that are that are physically, their life is in danger because of their faith in Christ. For nothing else, just because they 
bear the name of Christian. And Lord God, I just pray your covering over them. I pray for strength. I pray for courage, Lord God, in the midst of this, Lord God. I just pray for faith for each of them, whether they're in Iran, Northern Africa, Lord God. Um, I just pray you would lift these believers up. Strengthen them by your faith, Lord God. Show your favor upon them, Lord God. And Lord God, I pray for each of us here today. We, I just pray even for our nation, Lord God. We, we need, we're ripe for revival. We're ripe for, for you to work in our land, Lord God. And I pray that as, as believers in Christ, Lord God, that we can, we can live a godly life. Lord God, if suffering comes our way because we've done wrong, Lord God, that, that's not good. Lord God, if suffering comes because we're doing what you've called us to do, that's, that's in line with Christ. And Lord God, I pray that if there is suffering that comes our way in this country, Lord God, it's because we are living a Christ-like life, not because we are doing things that bring shame upon the name of Christ. Lord God, just go with us today. Father, strengthen us. Lord God, if we have to die to ourselves today, maybe there's some things in our own life, some pride, some reputation, some things that have kept us from living out that life you've called us to live, Lord God. And Lord God, if those things have to die, I pray, Lord God, you'd speak by your Holy Spirit. Speak individually to us, Lord God, so that Christ, the light of Christ, may be bright, shine bright in our life. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand this morning? And we're going to sing that closing chorus, Great Are You, Lord. Let's sing that to the Lord this morning. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You know, this, um, this last year has taken us through some kind of some uncharted territory, at least in my lifetime, where our government and local governments and state governments have put limitations on church gatherings, right? And um, even in our state here, and so we tried to, um, we tried to accommodate and follow what um, was being asked of us in a respectful way. Um, some states like California, I mean, um, I don't even know if some of those are being able to allow back to worship yet. I don't think they've allowed youth sports yet, but, um, you know, and if they did, they can't sing or praise. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, some things are maybe okay, some are not. So, I know that just brings up a lot of things. So, Maybe Peter's message is going to be more relevant and real to us than we hope. I don't know. We don't know. But he's called us to live out our faith. Amen. Father, this morning, we just pray you'd be with your church. It is a glorious church, Peter says. And we're being built together, Lord God, and we are uh, your royal priesthood, your holy nation, to declare the praises of God, that you've called us out of darkness, Lord God, into your glorious light. And Father, I pray that we can be the church, that we can be salt and light this week, Lord God. And wherever we're at, work, school, in the marketplace, Lord God, let the presence of Christ be evident in our life. Lord God, we have such a great opportunity and a testimony that it be evident through our words, through our actions, through our attitude. Let Christ shine through us. We give you the thanks, we give you the praise, and we ask it in your name. And everybody said, praise God. Hey, God bless this morning. Greet each other as you leave. If you're going to stay for our, our meeting, that'll probably start about 1130, 1120. 
And uh, so God bless you this morning. Good to have you at Radiant Springs.